0: This is a 980 CKNW podcast.
1: Thanks for being with us on this Saturday morning. We've talked a lot about farmland in the news lately, whether it's mega houses that are being built on farmland in this province, uh, people purchasing the land uh, with no plans to really farm it at all, and talking about farms that are passed down from family to family and how difficult it can be to continue that uh, to continue making a living having a viable operation on farmland as the prices continue uh, to skyrocket uh, mel limus is an outreach and engagement coordinator for a group called farm link and joins us on the show now to talk a bit more about this mel thanks so much for your time this morning Thanks for having me, Jill. Uh, this is something not unique to British Columbia. We're seeing uh, farmland, uh, the price, the value of farmland increase by huge amounts. What is it doing, what in your in your mind is this doing to uh, the farmland we have in Canada?
0: Well, yeah, the main thing, the most thing, important thing I think is that farmland stays. In farming and for farmers, because that that will benefit Canadians in the long run, and and having these prices just in many in many places just astronomical prices that farmers simply can't afford is yeah is taking land out of production and it's making it into houses and um, or recreational estates and things like that, but also the fear is is with investors coming in that they're just going to rent it back to farmers and so that's also I think unsustainable to agriculture. Uh, across the country.
1: And is it different from province to province in that in BC we have the agricultural land reserve that farmland yes. falls into? Uh, the big debate in BC in some places has been about uh, because it doesn't force you to farm to get the tax credit you need to, uh, but there's been exactly. a debate about exactly that investors coming in, purchasing farmland, putting up a big house, and not farming it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, and uh, I'm from Ontario and we've got a very similar. Um, issue with the green belt which, which surrounds Toronto and as much as it will say that it's protecting farmland and, and it does but not always it's not just for farming and and that's some of the most valuable um, farmland in, in Ontario and, and the ALR around uh, Vancouver as well is, is very important agriculturally and, and we hope that everyone will want to protect it for farming but also make sure that it is accessible to farmers if the price is out of their reach then it's never going to be farmed but um yeah it, it's it seems that in bc the average is that it's in, increased 2.7 percent according to um farm credit canada in 2017 report whereas it was nearly 10 percent in ontario but that's the average um what i've heard uh in the last month was that uh yeah 26 acre property sold for for 8.3 million dollars near richmond and that's that just drives land out of the capacity of farms farmers to get that so
1: and so is the issue in your mind too uh, that farmers are, are selling for whatever reason and you know, we could use that as an example this farm has sold yeah. for 8.3 million the farmer is is presumably retiring is not going to be farming yeah. anymore um, but rather I would. <laughs> yeah that's a, a good chunk of change uh, but rather than say maybe there aren't children to pass it down to maybe the children weren't interested in continuing on with the farm when you're when you're offered that amount of money it it, it see it makes it difficult I would think to make the decision even if you made the decision no I want this to to maintain to stay as a viable farm. There's no way to, to yep. make sure that happens.
0: Yeah, of course. And I imagine <laughs> you can't really blame them. If my parents were going to sell for that much, they could all give us a couple million dollars and we'd go out and buy another farm somewhere else where we could probably get 10 times the amount of land. So that's a, that's another thing, um, another issue to consider. Um, but, but yeah, if there is no... Successor, as we call it. There's no son or daughter that, or anyone else that wants to take over the the farm. But that's not for a lack of young farmers or new farmers that want to get into farming. That it's just prohibitive for them. And and the other thing, and what we're working on with FarmLink.net is is connecting them um, through a website where uh, farmers that uh, that may they might not just want to sell to the highest bidder, and many farmers wouldn't want to. If they knew that their legacy could be continued, and it wasn't with their own son or daughter, but with someone that really wanted to get into farming, they could work for a few years with them, mentoring them, and, and eventually uh, passing selling the farm onto them at a reasonable price um, on terms that they can, they can afford. And so the farmlink.net is, is a website where farm seekers can connect with those sorts of opportunities it, in a way. That, uh, the technology just allows us to do that in a way that they wouldn't have um, even a few years ago.
1: Uh, Because that's an issue too, and probably a whole other conversation, but what people might not think about is even in that scenario where you have somebody that maybe, like you said, you become a mentor and you want to pass the farm to them, the way that the tax system is set up right now, and because the farmland is now assessed at, say, millions of dollars, and yeah, you're getting the tax break because you're in the ALR, but... If it's assessed at millions of dollars, you're now faced with a property transfer tax and you're faced with exactly. all of these taxes that nobody has that kind of money, especially a farmer, no. to pay it up front to continue farming.
0: No, exactly. So. And that's something that I'd, I'd set out, uh, maybe I shouldn't say these things on live national television, but, but had suggested that we do give uh, more a tax break if a farmer was willing to sell to a young farmer instead of a, to a developer. And so if we can start changing the rules of the game, then maybe we would start to lead this transition in a way that's beneficial to Canadians instead of just letting the top dollar rule. And in the long run, I don't think that that's going to be sustainable. It's, but um, sorry, everything like tax taxes is yet another cost of production. Like in many ways, yes, yeah, farmers are buying some of this land and paying some of these taxes. And um, but that doesn't mean that they can't they can afford to. And it's it's also not that it's being um added into the cost of, of food because that's not how the agriculture system works because farmers are just faced with whatever price that the, the grocery store is willing to pay for them, whatever the, the, it's trading on globally. And so th- that just means that farmers are squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and that's where they, they'll just simply go out of business and that's where we erode um, our capability of feeding ourselves in the future is if we don't even allow for Canadian farmers to be sustainable. Well, And is that another... economically? another
1: area where there is this, this disconnect in that i i tend to think that people look at farming as, as and they romanticize it a bit when in yeah. reality <laughs> it is a lot of hard work i don't know any farmer yeah. who got into it because he or she wanted to get rich quick uh, it's it's, <laughs> no. it's a lifestyle that will take over over your life yep. but there seems to be this disconnect in that people have this image of it but they still want the cheapest tomato in the store, and they still want the cheapest exactly. produce, whereas we, we have, like, the minimum wage is affecting farm workers as well. We yes. have much higher standards than other countries where we might get our fruits and vegetables from, but people still want the cheapest price for the much better yep. and more expensive food.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's that's a huge disconnect. We we have a joke in farming. We say that we you can make a small farm a small fortune in farming provided that you start with a large one with the <laughs> assumption that you actually just lose a lot of money farming and that, and that is the case a year after year for, for, for some farmers. Um and, and yeah, that, that is the disconnect. And that's where we need the leadership is um, a national food policy. I believe that would really protect our farmers first and foremost in the interest of, of national security or food security. Um, but also, but also the education to, um, but it's difficult. You're tr- everyone is trying to make ends meet, and so you can't you can't blame anyone for 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 choosing the cheapest tomato. But when, when you use, when you do choose the cheapest tomato, it's it's normally from overseas where they don't have the same environmental regulations that we do, and and we're just passing on that cost to another country in many cases, to other people that aren't getting paid a living wage to grow that tomato. Here in Canada, we have minimum wage standards, we have environmental regulations and food safety, and we do not get paid, um, like the government does not support uh, agriculture in the same way that they do in the States or in Europe. And so, yeah, Canadian farmers are at a disadvantage on their own home turf. Uh, Are you concerned
1: uh, as well? It's been raised here uh, in B.C. as a concern that as we move forward with legalizing marijuana, there are going to be farms Mm -hmm. that are going to going to say, wait a minute, I can make way more money uh, growing, growing marijuana and distributing that rather than food of so-called edible foods.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course, that's. That's a concern out here in Ontario too, but I imagine there, it's the supply and demand. And if enough people get in get into growing marijuana, then it's going to mean cheap marijuana for everyone. But also, it's not going to be that lucrative of of a business for farmers to get into. Um, for for maybe the early early ones, it may be, but um, yeah, that's always the issue. Is you know, and even when we use when we grow corn for ethanol, we're not growing it for food consumption. We're growing it for, for in our cars. And, and do we have to prioritize growing food or, it's, or oil? But, you
1: it's know? A, it's, a, it's a topic, certainly, uh, that we can continue discussing. Uh, Mel, we're out yeah. of time for today, but thank you so much. Uh, we will keep uh, on so this much. and uh, keep talking, keep the discussion going. But thank you so much for your time today. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast.
0: Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app,